Welcome to Middle School Walk and Talk, a podcast series offering heart, hope, and help to members of our middle school communities. Take a walk with hosts Phyllis Bagel and Joe Mazza as they discuss self-care, student well-being, school culture, and more. Middle School Walk and Talk is designed to support the concepts found in the book, The Successful Middle School, This We Believe, and is a production of the Association for Middle Level Education. Learn more at amle.org. Today's episode, Let's Talk About Race. Hey, Phyllis. Hi, Joe. Great to connect with you. It's been a couple days. How's everything going down there in Maryland? It's good. I hear you have had a very eventful couple of weeks. Yeah. And you know what? Talking to colleagues, uh, my middle school educator, principal boxer group, it doesn't sound like I'm alone. Uh, The weather's getting nice. Uh, Things are looking up. More people are getting vaccinated. Um, The children are stirring. They are starting. Yeah, it definitely is. And I feel like, and I think we'll probably end up doing a future episode on this, but I feel like managing behavioral issues is going to take on a completely different tone over the course of this spring, given where kids are emotionally at this point. Yeah, yeah. And and we've been in since the beginning of the year, but um, over the last couple of weeks, we've had um, people that were, you know, kids that were remote because we did have a couple hundred. Uh, now we're down under 100. I think we're down under 70. Um, so all of these pods that were, you know, let's say five kids remote and eight kids in person, some of them are full. Everybody's in person um, or only one or two. So the dynamics have shifted. Uh, so we've actually done a reboot uh, this year to kind of get back to basics, you know, talk about expectations, not rules, but expectations and, you know, kind of coming back together to get to know each other in person because that, again, the blend of virtual and in-person has been challenging, uh, not just for teachers, but for kids as well. Yes, we're actually going back full-time with everyone in the building starting on April, I think April 12th or so. Up until now, it's been half day K4, half day five through eight. So it will be really interesting to see what it's like having everybody, all of the grades together. Again, yeah. Very excited about that. Yeah, it's all good. I mean, these are all good, trending, positive things. You know, we're, we're all healthier. I mean, there's certainly definitely issues happening uh, still, but, you know, we're, we're in a place where we're trending up. And, um, you know, it's much different than how we started the year, how we're going to end the year. And so we're hoping that we're starting some momentum right now that's heading down the home stretch and we'll go into 21 22. Definitely. I actually, I was struck recently by how I recognized the emotional place where some of my former colleagues in a local public school system are because they're just starting to return to the building and you can sense the fear and the anxiety and all of the unknowns and the uncertainties and concern about how kids will adjust. And I realized that since we've been in person since October, just like you, that we've gone through all of those phases of adjusting and to a certain extent of grief and anxiety. And I, I was really feeling for the teachers who are just starting that process now. It's yeah. overwhelming. Yeah, it it's absolutely is. And, you know, as we've been saying for a year now, we need to continue to, you know, sorry, let me mute my phone here. The phone call don't stop at the end of the day after school. Um, yeah, you know, I, 
there are still real situations happening out there. You know, one of our teachers lost a very close member of their family this week. Um, not to COVID, but, you know, these things, life is still happening. Um, despite everything else, all the other hardships and the, the things that we've done to overcome and to get to this point um, this year, um, you know, we need to keep being there for each other. And I know we've talked a lot about that in this podcast series um, this year. And, you know, today we really want to focus on, um, you know, uh, another marginalized group. Um, you know, there are um, Asian Americans and uh, Pacific Islander persons in most of our schools, all of our schools, I would almost say. Um, and um, not that there are, not that this is new, but I feel like over the past year, two years, especially since the pandemic and the way we were referring to the pandemic for a period of time, you know, in the previous presidency, um, there have been, you know, and again, I'm going to quote the Stop Asian American Pacific Islander Hate Study that was, con you know, conducted from March 2020 to February 2021 last month. It cited 3,795 hate incidents. Of those, 68% were verbal harassment, 20% were avoidance, and 11% were physical assault. And that those numbers are shocking. Um, we all have people in our schools that um, are dealing with things that isn't quite written on their forehead. Um, they're not saying a whole lot about these things. Um, and uh, as schools, as school educators, principals, um, we need to check in on our families and, and let them know that we, we not only care, but we're aware of these things. And then we absolutely uh, feel that they're, you know, against everything we stand for. Um, and I feel like there's been a lot of really positive um, development, movement, evolution, um, conversations about race and equity when it comes to many of our black and brown families, but very little um, of these conversations, uh, at least the ones I've been in, have been directly specifically talking about Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders. Uh, so we wanted to kind of talk a little bit about um, during this episode, uh, some of our experience in talking to some of these families and how they're doing right now, um, as well as maybe offer some strategies and some next steps for educators uh, in supporting these students and their families. Definitely. And actually, I was, as you were talking, I was thinking about a couple of Asian friends of mine and how this, this latest round of incidents making the news has been really triggering for them. Uh, my friend Christine Co wrote a piece about how to parent kids around these issues for CNN. And she shared a situation she had as a kid when she was walking with her mother and suddenly she felt this cold sticky liquid running down her back and realized that these teen boys who were passing her in their car had tossed a soda can at her and yelled, take that. Um, and then they used an, a racial slur. And that really just crystallized for her when she was very young that she has to watch her back, but it wasn't necessarily something she talked about all of the time. And then when I wrote Middle School Matters, I interviewed a friend of mine, a colleague who also is a school counselor, who was remembering not only kids making fun of the lunches 
that she brought to school that were foods from her culture, but also being a young teacher, being 28 and having kids make fun of her and make their eyes look slanty while she was teaching and feeling really disrespected. And so there's a lot of pain that is out there and we want to do what we can to make sure that that kind of pain isn't inflicted on the students that we have right now. But also I think the kids themselves really are hungry for some language, for some tools, for how to have these conversations, how to support their friends. I listened last night to a parent education that it was part of Parenting in Place. We also offered it to our parent community and it was about raising ethical anti-racist children. And it was about using mindfulness strategies to help people calm down when they're in the face of a negative incident and they want to be able to respond constructively. And they shared two pieces of information that really stuck with me. The first was from Catherine Steiner Adair, who runs focus groups with kids. And she talked about how kids as young as fifth grade were telling her that while their teachers do a lot to talk about incidents making the news, to talk about uh, the civil rights movement, to talk about racism more globally, they didn't feel like anyone was teaching them how to have these difficult, complicated conversations with their friends. And the second piece of information that Catherine Steiner Adair and Howard Stevenson shared last night was that 50% of middle schoolers can't identify when a comment that has been made is racist. So really developing kids sensitivity, giving them some tools to be an upstander, to support a friend when they're in that moment, and also giving them those mindfulness or relaxation strategies to, to really feel like they're in their body so they can respond constructively in the moment. I mean, that stat about 50% of middle schoolers, you know, not having that piece is that's where the work is. You know, it's not only understanding that there's a problem, seeing it being vocal and open about it, not avoiding it, you know, because the longer that we don't talk about this, um, and again, I'm not just talking about the, the, the murder spree that happened the other day. You know, this has been going on and on and on. Uh, I mean, going way back, I remember when I was a kid, my, my father was a Vietnam veteran and some of the things that came out of his mouth, you know, calling uh, people from Vietnam gooks for, for, for one of those memories that I have. And, and, you know, not knowing as a little kid, you know, and, and, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's, there's something about when soldiers come back and, and this and that, but that was normalized for me. You know, I remember doing that with my eyes and actually making fun of it. I remember that being like, okay, I'm a kid, I'm going to do this. And, um, you know, I, I think about those things a lot. I think about, you know, raising my own kids and having them be understanding and empathetic and, and knowing like, and being able to stamp that out like right away. And I feel like that's the very first thing that educators, we need to make sure that we're not being silent about any of this. And we're really right from the start when we hear about something being open and honest. We're middle school educators. Our kids are hungry to understand what's going on around the world and know what they can do about it. So, um, you know, once we get to the point where we're educating and we're starting to provide some of these tools, you know, that 50 percent number of not knowing what we're, you know, what we're even referencing or what to do about it. That's that's something that I feel like we can do something about. Definitely. Um, 
Definitely. I, I was on Twitter the other day and I saw something that Julie Lithcott Hames had written and it, the, it was very simple language that she was offering to adults to respond in these situations, to be supportive, to be allies. And I was thinking how it's equally applicable to kids. And it was a very simple, I, I'm aware of what's happening in the news and I'm thinking about you and I wanted to check in on you and see how you're doing, you know, not just ignoring it. You know, and I also think that we need to make sure that this is not just about the negative stuff, you know, but also making sure kids are seeing really positive images of, of lots of different cultures and people from lots of different backgrounds. I often say that the reason it's so important to help kids embrace differences in middle school isn't just because it's the right thing to do and it isn't just because that's part of being a good person, but it also it increases the odds that kids will, by way of understanding that everyone has a backstory, realize that they also are deserving of respect, no matter what their background is, no matter what their quirks or idiosyncrasies are. So we, it's really win-win because they're much more likely to develop a positive and healthy self-identity too. One of the one of the, the easier things that we can do right now for some of our Asian American Pacific Islander friends, um, families, students, um, is just to check in. You know, just to pick up the phone get on a text, you know, pull someone aside. Hey, just checking in on you. Um, you know, I know you're no stranger to, you know, discrimination, um, you know, but, but let me know if there's something I can do to support you. I'm thinking about you. And, and I think it's a, it's a low bar, right. To just to check in. Um, and that, and that matters, right. You know, we, we've been doing that for the last couple of weeks We're making a couple of calls a day, you know, to some of our families, and we're going to continue that until we've really gotten through all of our all of our families, you know, but, you know, the feedback that I've been getting as I've been on the phone in those conversations is, is, are really powerful. Um, majority of them, have, oh, you know, you're the first person that's reached out or said anything in, in all of my circles. Um, you know, we, we'd like this to just kind of go away. You know, I, my family, we really don't want to make a big deal out of things. Um, but I'm really scared. You know, I used to not be scared to go here, go here, but now, you know, I'm putting a hat on, um, you know, I'm not dressing in clothes that I wore once. I'm afraid to go to the H Mart or Chinatown because that's where a lot of our, my people are. And maybe there's going to be some kind of a terrorist attack or something. So people are scared. Um, and I feel like we, we, we really, if, if we really truly are, you know, relationship based and really want to, um, you know, build that partnership between home and school, we really need to check in on them um, and let them know that you know, they're important to us. They're value, you know, we value them and that we understand and see that this is hard. This is hard right now to see everything going on as, as the media is more, you know, attuned to all these things. Definitely. And I know that the teachers in our building were really looking for ways to just hold the space for kids, whether I know one of our teachers had a moment of silence. Uh, another teacher had a couple of prompts, you know, what do you already know? What are you wondering about? What are you confused about? And another teacher used an article to launch a conversation about it, but really just making sure that 
we are giving kids a chance to process and to learn and to share and to feel seen because these are uncomfortable topics. These are topics that kids might feel awkward bringing up themselves. And so as the adults in the building, we have to give them that opening. And I know my head of school as well sent home an email to parents with resources and also with some tools for what kids can do if they're targeted or if they see a friend being targeted. Again, middle schoolers in particular really want some concrete strategies. What do I say? What do I do? How do I make sure I don't make it any worse that I don't inadvertently hurt someone in my effort to help them? And one great tool is simply to say, how can I help? You know, I'm here to listen. Here's what I'd like to do, but before I make a move, I want to make sure that's okay with you and just go from there. Empathy, uh, you know, we, we talk about it a lot and as we should, um, you know, we did an advisory, like a reboot, you know, last week as I was sharing and, you know, empathy is at the root, you know, of a lot of this. And if we, if we look at, you know, what's going on around this through that empathy lens, you know, and just try to, you know, consider being in the, you know, in the shoes of some of, um, you know, our Asian American and Pacific Islander, you know, um, friends, colleagues, uh, students, you know, that's a really powerful piece to continue to, to seek that, that empathy um, piece. Um, next week, we're, we're actually having a, a parent night um, that's actually a family-friendly parent night. We're going to encourage middle schoolers to be there, you know, right with their families. And it's a a night where we're gonna, you know, let's air quotes, let's talk about race, you know, let's start to talk about differences in a way that it's not a big deal. You know, how do we get those conversations happening? So, you know, you know, this happens. So we're going to talk about race, you know, this is going on. So we should talk about it. Like, let's just normalize the conversation. Um, so it's not, you know, something special that we've got to address. Um, you know, in my kids' school, they just launched this new program, and I'm participating in it. But we haven't—we've only had one one launching activity so far. And they gave us questionnaires. It's called the Friendship Initiative, and they asked us lots of questions about our history, our everything from our religion to our race, as whatever we were comfortable sharing. And the purpose of this was to match us with someone with a very different background, because the best way to break down barriers is by actually really getting to know one another's families. And as part of this friendship initiative, we're committing to get together, you know, several times, about a half a dozen times with the person we've been paired with, but also to bring our families together at least once and, and to go from there. So I, I think that's a, a really wonderful idea as well. There are so many staffs um, doing book chats uh, this year. Uh, I think because of all the 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 digital skills that all of us have acquired over the last year and i think if i don't know any teachers that don't feel like they're better with tech you know or zoom or all these things and um you know these are things that are powerful and we can continue you know a lot of things we want to leave in 2020 you know but some of those ways to kind of be in touch in a digital way the further our conversations and and develop you know the cultural competency of, of our staff are so important and um, you know, there's certainly some teacher leaders, you know, at our school that are leading those efforts. We're going to continue them into the summer, into next year. Um, but we've got to get people talking about this. You know, we've got to, you know, make sure it's not just something that is part of a social studies class. This is not social studies. You know, this is the world. This is day to day. 
um, in life. And, and again, centering it around empathy for others um, and doing good. You know, the, the Mr. Rogers, find the helpers, um, so to speak. I feel like that's like the perfect place to end. Everything is, everything should be ended with Mr. Rogers. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Fred Rogers. So we wanted to give you, you know, some things to think about. If you're not already, you know, asking questions, reaching out to families, um, educating yourself on what's going on right now, doing a little bit of history to know that this isn't new. This is just amplified right now um, for a variety of reasons. Um, we need to act. You know, we can't be silent. Um, not this year, not any year. And um, our kids are ready. They're ready for the conversation. They're ready to be equity warriors, to be allies. Let's let's show them the way and model for them. <laughs>